So I'm, uh, I'm sitting here in LA and I'm making a podcast about navigating uncertainty about people who have been through tough times, made hard decisions, found themselves in places where they never expected to be and about what they did, how they got there and how they got themselves out. This episode is a little different from the ones that are going to follow. It's my story and uh, it's how I got to be sitting here in LA, interested in looking tough times directly in the eye rather than letting them slip by and pretending not to notice like I always used to do. It's about how I became the person that I am today, scrapes and scars included. It's about how what they don't tell you about getting everything you ever wanted is that you also have everything to lose and how losing everything can teach you more about yourself than you ever really wanted to know. At its core, uh, it's about how building back is best done as a community project where the weight of carrying each piece is shared. But writing this first episode was really hard. Um, I sat down to write it and the blank page stared right back at me in a way that I didn't expect. I mean, how do you, how do you write about the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Um, how do you write about losing the love of your life to suicide? How do you put those experiences into words? I've told pieces of my story over the years, mostly on social media, um, as a way of trying to process and connect with others. So it's not like I was starting from scratch. Um, I really didn't expect it to be this hard, but the days ticked by and I still just kind of had a blank page. And then at some point I realized I didn't have to write all of it. Lee, my late partner, which still feels weird to say, um, she left a lot of footage of herself behind. She and her ex-boyfriend Max were YouTubers. Um, they sort of stumbled onto it when they posted a video of a day in the life in their van travels in Mexico and it went viral. Um, People found them endearing and authentic and aspirational, and they were. And millions of people joined them as they, they traveled around the world. I was one of them. I, uh, I saw that first video as I was building out my van in the summer of 2018, and uh, I was about to hit the road solo down to Argentina with my dog, Clover. And I remember having the thought, man, that's that's what I want, a partner like that to to travel the world with, to have adventures with. <laughs> and yeah, be be careful what you ask for. Um, you just might get it. But watching back through that footage was hard. Um, it was really hard. I realized I hadn't gone back and, and watched any of those videos since she died. And on the one hand, it was so nice to to see her alive again, so full of life and radiating so much joy and um on the other hand knowing what happens at the end of the story i just i just wanted to jump back into the screen and change one thing to warn her really to do anything from keeping it from ending the way that it did but we can't change what happened we can't undo the tremors that shake us 
we can only look around after the shaking is stopped and try to rebuild with the pieces that are left. And so while this first episode tells my story about the episode that shook me, the earthquake that shook me, the following episodes take the form of some deep dive conversations with other people who have been through their own moments of reckoning and, and share those stories, tools, and processes about how they rebuilt. And that's, that's why I'm doing this, to both learn for myself and also to share with others out there who maybe don't have people in their life who are willing to open up about these things or who find these conversations too difficult to have and would prefer just to listen. In the early days of my grief, hearing these stories from people who had been through the shit and were on the other side, who'd had their own worst possible thing happen to them, the thing that they never would have imagined they'd be able to survive, and just to see them still standing, that was powerful. So I'll be listening and learning from them right alongside you, and if sharing these stories about people navigating their own uncertain times helps anyone feel just a little less alone, then I'll consider this a success. I am so in awe of the people I've already had a chance to speak with and learn from, both in my life and for the upcoming episodes of this show. I really love the depth and the wisdom that they bring and, and that they've added to my life as I make my way slowly to the other side of this loss and as I learn to appreciate the person that I've become um, due to what I've been through. And as I continue to move forward from here, but that's all coming later and um, that's for future episodes uh, and I hope you'll join me for those conversations. But first, this is my story. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Never the Same. It's a podcast where we talk about navigating uncertainty and the events that changed us. I'm your host, Jordan Chu. Thanks for joining me as we navigate this beautiful but uncertain world together. Testing, testing. Hello? Anyone out there? Well, my name's Jordan, and I'm here because, well, it's kind of a long story. It's a story about a trip that turned into a story about a girl. It's, uh, it's about friendship and love and loss. It's a story about adventure and the pandemic and suicide and grief and healing. And at its core, it's really about community, connection, and figuring out what really matters. It's my story, but it's also Lee's story. And while she's no longer here to tell it, I'll do my best um, for the both of us. So where do we even start? I guess we have to go back to November 2017. I was living in Venice, California, which is a part of Los Angeles. And I just bought a van. I was going to use it to surf, just take it on weekend trips. And I was working for a tech company at the time. And I woke up one morning right before my birthday and I got laid off. <laughs> and you know, I had, I think, the normal uh, sort of reaction to getting laid off, which was to panic and try to find another job and security and a new source of income. And then at some point I realized, like, you know, 
those people who I've seen taking these big trips and having these really epic adventures, like maybe this is how it happens. Maybe you get laid off and you don't have a job you need to go back to. Maybe you have some savings and you got a severance. Maybe you don't have any relationships tying you down or, or real obligations and you have that window before say having a family and kids or you know having someone who you count on uh, or who counts on you and so I was single and had a dog <laughs> who you know wasn't getting any younger and who would be a great travel companion so I just said let's do it and I built out the van over the course of that year and in 2018 August 2018 I hit the road and I headed south and you know when people would ask me where I'm heading I'd, I'd tell them Patagonia probably um, and so that kind of became the name of my trip Patagonia probably um, that's what I tagged all my photos as because you know I didn't know where I was going but that was kind of the general direction and and where I was hoping to, to end up but I knew I'd probably encounter more along the way than I ever could have planned, so I was going to leave it wide open. And well, ain't that the truth. So yeah, more stories than could ever get into here uh, about that year on the road, but I met Max and Lee um, on the road in Bolivia. We traveled together for a couple months. Alrighty now guys, because we never really travel or convoy with anyone, we're not very good at introducing people in our vlogs. But here we have Jordan and Kathy. Oh yeah, when we met, I had uh, been traveling with this amazing German girl named Kat uh, for the past couple months. So it was the two of us, the two of them, our two dogs, and just having a great time exploring South America in our vans. Jordan, where are you from? California. Kathy? I'm from Germany. And you've driven down all the way from California in this beast. Kathy, when did you join the uh, crew? Uh, kind of in Peru. Peru, but we met in Panama before. Very good. And where has been your favorite spot so far? Well, that's hard. That's hard. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. We don't like this. Is this one of them? <laughs> this is going to be don't this be that. Is a good one. This yeah. is a really good one. Yeah, this is pretty epic. Wait, is this one of them? Yeah, this is too, like exceptional. I mean, you read about it and you think you are prepared for it, but just like how photos don't show the depth perception of places here in person, it's amazing. Yeah, it honestly doesn't seem real. And that was kind of the gist of the trip. It was a blast, for lack of a better word. Um, it was no schedule, no itinerary, just going wherever we felt like going or had heard about something we wanted to see. Um, the four of us traveled really well together. Salud! 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 Salud. One more to the group! To my... <laughs> to finally meeting people on the road! Yeah. Woo! <laughs> the dog's getting into it. It's been like South America's been... Uh, quite a solo adventure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it has. It's been like a bit of an exile, really. Played a lot of Settlers of Catan. We cooked meals. We went on hikes. Took a lot of photos. We ended up driving from Bolivia into Chile across the Lagunas route, which is one of the most stunning places I've ever been. Um, 
It's the kind of place where the lakes were pink, where they were turquoise. Um, flamingos got frozen into the ice at night. Chinchillas and emus were wandering around, and it just felt like being on a surreal Dali-esque um, type of landscape. Look at our island and our vans. This is pretty freaking surreal. Look at this side. The colors are yellow and blue. Pink and red. I think I'm finding a new place to say is my favorite when people ask us, you know, what's the highlight of your trip? At some point, we all had to go home. I had to go officiate a wedding, um, and Kat ended up leaving the trip, and so I kept going solo. Uh, I was so close to Patagonia at that point, I was like, I want to do the loop and, and finish it out. And so we did. Um, Max and Lee decided to come with me on that loop. Um, they had a friend come down and visit. The four of us drove around Patagonia for a couple months, and... Um, eventually made our way back up to Santiago, where we uh, put the bands in a shipping container and shipped them home. And that's honestly the first time that uh, I knew anything was sort of less than ideal with Lee. Um, she opened up about some of her struggles, how she wasn't really feeling like herself. She was feeling really homesick. Um, she was ready to go home. And um, I didn't know it at the time, but I guess um, she and Max had broken up. Uh, when she went home and they'd gotten back together and we're trying to make it work but um, yeah I know that things were tough for her so going home was was looking like a better and better option. They went back to Canada I went back to California and Max and Lee broke up um, and the pandemic hit and you know we all were kind of at the end of our trip we got unfortunately scammed by the shipping company that uh, that we shipped our vans back with so we'd, we'd spent some time in California trying to work that out and and by the time we finally got settled and felt like we were home it was pretty much the pandemic and so we were just checking in on each other and you know I never in a million years thought that anything would happen with Lee and um over the course of the pandemic and over the course of that spring, I know Lee was going through a pretty down period. Um, I think it had started before we actually even came home. We'd, we'd had some conversations on the road about how she wasn't really feeling like herself. And I think during that, um, that winter and the spring, in the early days of the pandemic, it really hit her hard. Spring and summer was a dark time for me. I was already going through a lot of life changes, a relationship change, a job change, a location of living was different for me. And then all of the forced isolation due to the pandemic and the changes brought about by that just put me into a state of depression um, and a lot of reflection. And I really focused all my energy at that time on working on my mental health and regaining my mental and physical health. But by that summer, we were talking all the time and, and really getting to know each other better than we ever did on the road. And um, to both of our <laughs> complete surprise, we ended up falling in love. And um, yeah, it was, it was magic. 
time, I was reconnecting with a friend who I had met on my trip in Bolivia, and he was starting a van rental company of his own. To my surprise, yet again, our friendship had turned into a beautiful relationship that I couldn't be happier about. Meet Jordan. absolutely unexpected and it felt like with everything in the pandemic kind of falling down around us and the world feeling really uncertain it was a really bright light in the midst of that and um so she moved to california supposed to be for three weeks yeah she never left she she skipped her return flight to stay and uh we had an absolutely incredible time together just our own little bubble working on the van company that I was building and she ended up buying a van and, and starting that, working on that together. We had a workshop in Ventura. Ooh, nice cut. Joe, do you want to witness the grand reveal? Adrenaline going? Yeah, Jordan scared <laughs> the crap of me and told me everything that could have went wrong before doing that. Mildly terrifying. You see us both playing together. Welcome to Lee's Hair Salon. Growing up, I used to do all my friends' hair. I've cut a lot of people's hair. Have you? I mean, I cut Eamon's. I haven't cut a lot of people's hair, but I have I have styled a lot of hair before, yeah. so same, same. There's a difference. <laughs> so are we going for the mullet today? No, we're not going for the mullet today. Do you want a buzz cut on the side? Absolutely not. Yeah. I haven't had a haircut since Columbia. We've, we've two been years receiving ago. some comments about David Roll lookalike. What do you guys? What do you guys think? He's Dave, the Dave Roll. It's David Roll. Whatever. His mom <laughs> probably named him David. So it's David. Roll. Anyway, give us a thumbs up if you think Jordan looks like David Roll. Or Dave Roll. <laughs> okay. Do you feel wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I need a haircut too. You want to get mine? Sure. No. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say yes. Why not? Okay, back to work. And then, pretty suddenly, things took a turn. Her mental health, really. She went from being on top of the world to, within a day or two, just not, not herself. And she was so aware of her mental health and she was so aware of what she needed to do to take care of it i have to be honest with you guys i'm feeling extremely overwhelmed and just feeling the weight of stress of everything in life right now covid is heavy without feeling like i'm complaining and without feeling full of shame that i'm already struggling at the beginning of a project this is just how i'm feeling right now but it wasn't all dark. You know, she'd have a couple bad days and then a couple good ones and she would see the light. For the first time, it feels like maybe, even though we were still in the midst of it, there's an end in sight to this pandemic. We let ourselves imagine how our lives are gonna feel after all this is over. Jordan's looking forward to big dinners with friends. Missy and Matt are excited to enjoy live music again. I'm looking forward to being able to host my family and friends here in California, among many other things. 
I am feeling especially grateful to be building this tiny but very real community at the shop. Grateful to get to know Matt and Missy, to learn from Jordan, to take ourselves on a hike in nature to reset, revitalize, and inspire our creativity. Mm -hmm. One big takeaway from this week was remembering how important it is to take care of myself mentally, physically, and emotionally in order to be the most productive, most invigorated version of myself. At the same time, reminding myself that when I am overwhelmed, to just take things one step at a time and focus on the little wins each day. And it would feel like we were going to make it, that things were going to be okay. And, and then it would change. I feel unable to take care of myself. Basic needs like feeding myself are hard right now. I feel lazy and disgusted with myself for how little I'm able to take care of. I'm unable to focus on anything, really. I feel like I should be doing work. I should be making a LinkedIn profile. This is actually an excerpt from a diary entry that she wrote over the summer previously, but it was the first thing that she wanted to do when she got to Santa Barbara. She wanted me to help her make this video telling people about her battle with depression. Right now, living feels like a drag. I have a hard time envisioning my future because I don't know what I want. Yet, I'm not focusing on figuring and out what it is that she I She wanted to be really honest because she knew that her life on paper or on the screen looked like the dream life. And, you know, she, she had a boyfriend, she had a dog, she traveled the world, she was beautiful, she got to live a lot of people's ideal kind of fictionalized life and she wanted to make sure that people understood that, that even in that situation you could struggle. And so she got to me and, and she read this journal entry and it kind of blew me away. Um, a that she was so self-aware, B that someone who was who just radiated so much joy could be feeling such such depression um and and also just how brave it was that she was willing to to go out there and, and talk about it and it was really inspiring so i helped her make this video um and it was her reintroduction to youtube which was um that was a whole thing in itself um she was feeling really unsure if she wanted to get back online she'd had some bullies and some real nasty people come after her in comments and, you know, just make a lot of unvalidated judgments on her life. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I listened back to that journal entry and even though she wrote it when she was happy and was feeling better after the summer, um, it was about her depression and, and she told me when she's feeling depressed again, that that's still how she felt. She was, I think, the one who taught me this phrase. Like, the way she was feeling was um, just the weather, and it would always pass, and the sun was always shining above the clouds, but I don't know if this time she really could believe that, even though she knew it. And... We did all the things that we knew how to do. Um, you know, we, we got her 
to the doctor. We got her on medication. Um, we got her a therapist. We actually got her two therapists. Um, and took time off from work to spend time just no pressure, easy, did projects, talked a lot, so much, and made plans for, for how we would figure this thing out. And um, and it didn't, it ended up not mattering. You know, by end of March, 2021, we had, we had vaccine shots scheduled. Um, the, things were, were on the verge of, of opening back up. Um, it felt like hope was kind of right around the corner. And um, in the middle of that climate, um, yeah, the, they took her life. The week before she died, we had been jumping in the ocean every morning, um, doing a cold plunge. And the water was real cold, but um, it seemed to make her feel better. And it was something to, to do together and get a laugh. And And this clip is, is of her on the morning she died, running into the ocean, Clover running behind her. And she ran straight in. She didn't even hesitate. Like nothing, nothing could stop her. <laughs> Go Clover! Go get her! The water was warm. warm. <laughs> All right. And after that, we um, we went home, and I showered, and she made me. A she made me a sandwich for, for lunch. She'd never done that before, and she put it in the car, and she handed me my coffee, and she kissed me goodbye. And that was the last time I saw her, pulling out of the driveway. I texted her later that morning. <clears throat> And she said she was going to yoga. And that's the last text I got from her. And when I came home, I'd known something was wrong just because I hadn't heard from her. And so I came home early and when I came home, she wasn't there. I'll leave out 
the details for her privacy and the family's privacy, but it was it was really traumatic. Um, we didn't know where she was for about 24 hours, and when we figured it out, it was not the the answer that anyone wanted because um, she was gone. And you know, it just it absolutely rocked my world. Um, I, I'd never had a loss, anything even remotely like that. Um, I'd lost some grandparents. I'd lost even a friend. Um, but to have somebody who is so intimately involved in my life and who I was just getting started with and who we had hopes and goals and dreams and a million things we wanted to do, um, somebody that I woke up next to every day, it, it just it didn't feel real and then when it felt real it felt like the worst possible nightmare that you could imagine and and I didn't know what to do I I, I kind of jokingly say now I blacked out for a couple months but you know, that wasn't a booze medicating thing. It's just, I, I literally was a shell. I was a skeleton of my former self. Um, you know, I'm, I'm so fortunate that I had some really amazing people in my life who had been through loss before and they knew enough to just show up and make sure that I ate and make sure that the dishes got washed and the trash got taken out and that I, you know, had someone to go walk around the block with or go sit on the beach with um, just while I tried to process, like, what was actually happening. And I will forever be so grateful to those people and I hope that they all know who they are. It was... It was absolutely unequivocal proof that the time that I'd spent connecting and developing relationships with people in my life, it paid off in, in the most critical time. And I've never been more grateful to have made that investment in those people. And I've never been more grateful to have that kind of support and to hear the stories from people who had been through their own version because no one's no one's ever been through what you've been through you know people love to tell you that you're not alone and and um i do believe that i believe that grief is an incredibly connecting experience in the sense that everyone on this earth will at some point experience some loss and some grief and yet at the same time you're so completely alone in it because no one knew the person that you lost in the way that you knew them or had the relationship with them that you did so you're not alone but you are and and yet you know without them and without hearing those stories I don't I don't know if I would have made it through um, I went to a really dark place and didn't really see the point 
of sticking around. Um, and I think, I think I started seeing the light at the end of the tunnel when I realized that there was a lot of healing to be done both for myself, but also for others around sharing some of the stories that people were, were sharing with me. And, you know, I, one of the few things that I somehow was able to do was to, to post on Instagram, which is kind of a crazy thought. Like I, it's still kind of baffling to me and I don't know where I got that energy, but it just felt like something I needed to do. And, and so sharing our story and what I was going through, um, I've never been a very public person and I've never, <laughs> I've gotten in, you know, more conversations uh, about the fact that I keep things too close to the chest and I don't share enough about what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling. So to, to be all of a sudden very public with some very vulnerable emotions was surprise to me at the very least but I think I think what her death did was it just stripped me really raw to the point where it's like what is there to hide like there's nothing there's I have nothing to hide there's nothing more important than just trying to connect with other people right now and you know, I was doing it selfishly for sure because it made me feel better to know that there were other people out there who were having similar experiences. And, and I also realized too that hopefully it was making other people feel better to hear about mine. And that gave me some momentum to to start working my way out of out of the place that I was in. But the, <clears throat> the road to healing is not a straight one. And, um, you know, it's been said many times that uh, grief comes in waves. And when we're thinking that we're, we're good, we got it, that um, <laughs> you never know when that next wave is going to come. So as I was going through some of the kind of big moments um, in the last six months um, before I even really thought about doing a podcast. <clears throat> I, I turned on the voice recorder and I recorded myself um, kind of to have a memento and, and kind of just to, to say some things out loud that I didn't know how to process. Um, so maybe I could figure them out later and it's real interesting going back, listening to them, but yeah, this one, I, I left the house in Santa Barbara. Um, at first it was really comforting to be there. And then at a certain point I realized that being in the house where that had happened and where we had so many memories, it just, it wasn't serving me in a positive way anymore. So I left and, and when I was packing up, I got, did not anticipate what a, 
what a journey that would be. So this this recording is is from from packing up the house and some of the little grief bombs that are hiding and laying in wait that you didn't expect to see coming. So it's a bit weird to be speaking to myself. This is this is my first time making a voice recording really beyond just a say sending a friend a voice note. Never just done it really for myself. Haven't had to face kind of the physical aspect of her and her things. Um, you know, I we lived together, we moved into she moved into my place, we moved to a, a new place when our landlord needed to do construction on that first place, so we, we picked this place together, we moved into it together. And after she died, I largely left left it the same. You know, it wasn't wasn't like she had a bedroom that I kind of didn't touch. It was our bedroom, so I was obviously still living in it. But now, as I'm moving and kind of needing to downsize, I. I'm taking a look at her things, and yeah, it's it's a lot. I've already moved some of them out into the garage, and you know our closet. She didn't bring a lot of clothes. Like I said, she had a suitcase. She maybe bought a few things. It was a deep pandemic. She wasn't really a shopper, not like she would have done any shopping anyway, but there are a few things and, you know, like the thing that's sitting here on the rack in front of me is her robe. I remember we bought it at Costco and it was our first trip to Costco maybe a week after she got to town. She was so excited and I remember... You know, my Costco trips go in, kind of get what I need. Maybe you get one or two extra things that you didn't think you needed. Try to keep the whole trip under 150, 200 bucks, and you're out of there. Lee was like a kid in a candy store. I've never seen anyone have so much fun in Costco. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we ended up coming out with about a $700 cart. Um, but I remember she saw this robe and instantly had to have it because it was the softest, fuzziest thing, and it was kind of this lilac-y purple, which is her favorite color. And she wore it all the time. At first she wore it in the morning, drinking coffee, you know, getting up, going to bed, and towards the end she wore it all the time because she couldn't get out of it or she'd have a day where her depression really just leveled her. And Yeah, I would leave in the morning to go to the shop to work and come back and she'd still be wearing it so it still has some stains or discoloration on the sleeves I don't think she ever washed it it still smells like her and 
I have such a memory with this robe of her being like a little kid buying it and so happy and then at the end her just sitting on the bed staring at the wall and you know we would wake up and she'd be great and she'd get up and she'd make us coffee and come in and I'd hop in the shower and I'd come back and she'd be staring at the wall just crying and couldn't explain why didn't knew conceptually but didn't know why it was happening to her or what was happening and while it was painful to watch I can't imagine what it was like to go through so what do you do with a purple fucking robe with stains on the sleeves that was the last thing she was wearing the morning I saw her I just I don't know So I certainly had plenty of those moments um, where the waves just kind of pick up out of nowhere and hit you. And um, but I also just as much—not maybe not just as much—but frequently enough had moments where a, a horrible thing could contain a real nugget of joy, and that never really ceased to surprise me um and at first I was resistant to it because you know you want to be sad because you want to be respecting their memory and dignifying it and there's no you know in my mind like laughing and and finding things funny you know at such a dark moment seemed almost disrespectful or absurd and um and then I realized I was like, no, fuck it. Like, if there's any joy anywhere, I'm gonna take it. And that's what she would have done. So just had sort of an absurdist thought or problem come up. I'm looking at the jar that I keep these ashes in and it's kind of funny it was actually uh where do I even start this story so Lee passed I had family come I didn't have them come they came I was I was pretty out of it to say the least um and we had a celebration of life a couple days on the day that we got her ashes back from the cremation. And my sister being super on it and wanting to make sure things were taken care of, asked me if I had a, a vessel or an urn for her ashes. And I'd never had anyone die that I knew really well in my adult life. Like, yes, I'd had some friends um, past, but I, I wasn't part of their, you know, intimate funeral services, shall we say. I wasn't responsible for picking up their ashes or making arrangements. And 
so I didn't know, like, do you, how do you get the ashes back? Do you, do you give them a jar and they fill it? Do they, how, how, what type of volume are we talking about? Are we talking about a cup or a, you know, liter or a large to go box? Like I, I had no idea. Um, and really wasn't in the mindset to be Googling these things. So I, um, I just, I said yes and kind of left it to her. Um, and Taylor comes back and she comes back with this really simple kind of embossed white, uh, jar that has a wooden top. And I, I immediately started laughing and Taylor's like, what, what's, what's wrong? Is, is there something wrong with it? And I was like, no, I, I love it. And I know she would love it. And I know she would get a kick out of it. Cause that's literally the same, um, same urn wasn't called an urn when we bought it, but that we bought for our kitchen to put all of our utensils in. And it has a slightly different pattern, but it's from target. And, uh, and she picked it out. So I know that she would like it. And so we got a good laugh over that. Um, and it was always supposed to be temporary, but here she is in her target urn that she picked out. Um, but I bring that up because I'm opening it now and her ashes are in a little plastic container. Um, it's about maybe three inches by three inches by about six inches tall, a little less. And, um, that's not all of Lee. Um, her parents took most of her ashes. I think another container that was probably about three times the size and, and they gave me a quarter. I don't know if we talked about the fractions, but they gave me some so that I could have some to, to scatter or to keep. And, um, yeah, it, it, you know, you know that these ashes are not them and yet they're special and they have a lot of meaning. And what do you, what do you do with them? And how much reverence do you treat them with? And, you know, I've, I've had them up on a shelf, um, on my bookshelf and, you know, in the mornings, sometimes I'll go and give the, the urn a little touch and say good morning or, you know, just say hi. And, uh, Yeah, but she hasn't moved. Uh, she just she's been there on the shelf, kind of watching what goes goes on in the house. And it's been nice to have her there. <laughs> but we're moving, um, or I'm moving, and how do you move <laughs> your girlfriend's ashes? Do you put them in a box with anything else? Do you put them in their own special box? Do you? put them in your backpack and bring them with you? Do you carry them, put them in the front seat, strap them in? I, I don't think, I don't think anyone really has a good answer for that. And, uh, 
it just made me laugh. I just was imagining strapping the ashes into the front seat, um, going on a little adventure together. But for now, she's going to stay on the shelf and she can watch me pack. And yeah, we'll, we'll get to that this weekend. And so here we are, sitting in L.A., making a podcast about the worst thing that ever happened to me. And for the record, I did strap her into the front seat of the moving van to come down here. And it felt a little silly, but it also felt right. And I'm sure we'll go on other adventures together. And I'm going to, I'm going to leave you here for this episode. Um, this was my story. It's not my whole story. There's a lot more about how I started actually putting the pieces back together. And I think since this is about navigating uncertainty, it's really important to look at that. But yeah, this, <laughs> this is a lot. And I'll tell that story in coming episodes and I go into it in the conversations I have with people, um, the ones who've helped me and the ones who will continue to help me. Um, and that's what this is all about. So for those of you who've supported me through this, thank you. And for those of you whom I don't yet know, I hope this helps. If this helps one person, it'll be worth the time. So thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for sharing. And if you know anyone who you think that this could help, please send it their way. I'm looking forward to sharing more episodes. They won't all be like this. Most of them I get to dive in with some really interesting people and talk about their stories and their methods and their thoughts on, on navigating their own uncertainties. It's not all grief and loss. It could be anything. Um, but grief and loss is my story right now, and so that's what I'm sharing, and I really appreciate you listening. Till the next time. Good night. Thanks for listening to another episode of Never the Same. For more episodes and some supplemental media, find it at neverthesame.substack.com. I occasionally post on Instagram under my name, Jordan P. Chu, C-H-I-U. Thanks so much for the support. Looking forward to the next one. Till then.